everybody, it's Sam Bennett. Thank you so much for joining me for the True Freedom Symposium, the when, what, why, and how to quit your day job and what's really on the other side. Today's interview is with the glorious Andrea Owens. Andrea is an author, mentor, and certified life coach who helps high-achieving women let go of perfectionism, control, and isolation, choosing courage and confidence instead. She's helped thousands of women manage their inner critic to create loving connections and live their most kick-ass life. She's the proud author of 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life, BS-Free Wisdom to Ignite Your Inner Badass, and Live the Life You Deserve from Adams Media and Simon Schuster. And her latest book is called How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, 14 Habits That Are Holding You Back from Happiness from Seal Press and Hatchet Books. When she's not juggling her full coaching practice or hosting retreats, Andrea is busy competing in triathlons, chasing her 10-year-old son or her eight-year-old daughter, or making out with her adorable husband, Jason. She is also a retired roller derby player, having skated under the name Veronica Vane. You can find out more about Andrea at yourkickasslife.com. And hi, everybody. It's Sam Bennett from theorganizedartistcompany.com. And I'm here with my friend, Andrea Owen. Hi, Andrea. Okay, before we do anything, thank you for writing such kick-ass book. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> I am such a fan. The, this, this, globally, globe, like you just want to go around and hand a copy just to everybody. Like, just read this and make your life better. <laughs> <laughs> do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor. Like, enough with the fluffy butter, you know, like, it's so real and practical and honest and, like, not super woo, not super like, oh, just dream about it. And then magically your life will be better. Like, it's mm -hmm. like, no, no, here are the actual hard steps you have to do, but then your life will be really better at the end. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I wanted it to be. You described it perfectly. Well done you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So we're talking to people who are thinking about, you know, making a step in their life. They're thinking about maybe just trying to find something to augment their life uh -huh. and their job and to make their life a little more zhuzh um or they're thinking about making a step into entrepreneurship but it all feels very unfamiliar and scary so what i'd love to start with is just your journey how did you get from where you were to where you are uh -huh. how, was that for, how was that for you tell me <laughs> tell me uh, I love that question. And I think mine might be a little bit different than your other guests that you're having on here because I call myself sort of the accidental entrepreneur. I think that must be like a book or something, but I wasn't that kid. Like I hated selling Girl Scout cookies when I was in Girl Scouts. I was not that kid who had a lemonade stand. My older sister who became an orthodontist assistant when she was 17 and had that job for decades. And I was like, I don't think I want to put my hands in people's mouths. Like, <laughs> not. I knew it wasn't, I knew all of that wasn't for me, but I didn't know what was for me. Mm -hmm. I also knew that I was not, um, my personality did not mesh well when I was not the boss. Mm. I had been written up for insubordination a couple of times. And that was like, that was kind of on me. I had poor communication. <laughs> like, let's be honest. <laughs> I was still very young, but um, I wanted to be the boss, but I didn't know the boss of what. And to me, that looked like you climb the ladder, right? In some corp, in somebody else's business. And so what ended up happening is uh, just a quick backstory. I, I had, I've always had a love for fitness and um, just physiology in general, human physiology, and knew I didn't want to be a doctor or a nurse, and went to college for exercise physiology. I meshed the two and absolutely loved it. 
and was in the fitness business for a while, both corporately uh, for an organization as well as like on the gym floor as a personal trainer. And what kind of brought me to life coaching was that I was training women and was really passionate about it and had some clients who it was clear to me that they felt like their answer to all of their deepest <laughs> core problems was to lose weight. Um, you know, if they could just get some muscle tone, then they would be happier. And, and it was like a head explosion. And I, I couldn't take it anymore. And, I, and I'm not saying that the fitness industry is bad. I still love the industry, but I, that's where I felt called to do something else. And then that's when I had already heard about life coaching and, and sort of, you know, like women's empowerment. And so I went that direction. And what's also funny is that when I sat my butt in my training at life coaching school, and I got out my calculator and I was like, if I charge this much and I have this many clients, simple multiplication, I'm going to make a great living. What I did not know <laughs> was that I was going to have to learn how to run a business and more specifically a, a company eventually. I didn't know anything about marketing. I mean, I went to college for fitness. I didn't know anything about marketing or, <clears throat> excuse me, entrepreneurship or um, sales. I didn't know how to have sales conversations. I didn't, I just thought if you build it, they would come. Yeah. And that's kind of a really blissful place to be. And then when it, all the realization came of like, where, where are all the, where are all the paying clients? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I have my training. <laughs> my pen is clicked. Let's go. <laughs> I'm listening. And so that was sort of a little bit of a rude awakening. And I went through all of the emotions that probably I think all entrepreneurs go through, like face down on the couch. I also had two babies at home at the time. And my husband was like, maybe you should wait until they're, you know, like, I don't know. Like, and I was like, no, I'm not quitting. So anyway, that was, I, I got my, I started my business in 2010. I started coaching in 20, 2007, officially launched, you know, website in 2010. And it's been an interesting journey and I've learned a lot and yeah, we can go from here. So great. I also am a completely inadvertent entrepreneur. I, this was not my plan I didn't and I about you. <laughs> until you mentioned it. I faked a stomach ache to get out of selling Girl Scout cookies <laughs> at the corner of Clark and diversity and Broadway in Chicago. We, they set us up on the corner and after, I don't know how long, but after a little bit, I was like, I can't, I can't. I can't I'll just eat them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I have to get out of here. This is too frightening. <laughs> like, too much anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So, um, so, so the good news, everybody, is that if Andrea and I can figure it out, you can too. Because, <laughs> you know, we're smart, but we're not that smart. You know, like, and we made every mistake that there is to make. Read books along the way. Yeah. Read a lot of books along the way, took a lot of courses, mm -hmm. listened to a lot of free yes. summits and podcasts and took lots of notes. Um, and I will also say, because you and Amy Ehlers and I were talking about this one time that like in the thing that I, the only, the only thing really that I miss about those early days, because the it was like this hockey stick learning curve, yeah. is how exciting it was. Mm -hmm. like once you did start to figure it out, like, oh, that's how you make a sale, or oh, uh -huh. that's, oh, look, I, I market it and now people are buying it and, and it now works. there's money. Uh -huh. Oh my god! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and that worked. I can do it again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can, like, I can make it even better. I can make it even better. I can, and that's the real process, right? Is iteration, 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 mm -hmm. iteration, right? So tying this, this moment to, you know, of 
of, well, I just got in there, got stubborn and figured it out and how to stop feeling like shit. Because that's what I remember about having a day gig is that I felt like shit all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had some good gigs. I mean, it wasn't yeah. the job's fault. The jobs were fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, it felt like a couple of things happened for me when I was, when I was working day gigs. I would look at the people at the top and I was not, I didn't want to, I, I looked at what my life would look like when I got there and that's not what I wanted. Mm. I remember I worked before the fitness industry. I skipped over that part. I was also, I have an associate's degree in fashion merchandising because that's what I did right out of high school because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I knew I liked clothes. So I was like, let me get a, let me get a degree in fashion merchandising. And I actually worked for, I was an assistant buyer for a chain of surf shops, which is, I beat out like five other interns to get this job. And it was sort of like from that movie, the devil wears Prada, except it was in the surf industry. It was so, so many, some like, I, I got actually sick when I was watching the movie. because so I was like, Oh, I remember, I remember that so much. Um, but from the outside, everybody was like, that's the most amazing job ever. I got to go to trade shows with all these, you know, really amazing brands. I got free clothes. I did but I hated the job. I cried almost every day. But I looked at the people because I thought to myself, if I just stick it out a year, there's a good chance within a couple of years, I can make six figures. Back then I was making $27,000 a year. This was in 19, mid, late 90s. It was late 90s. And I, the buyers, they worked 60 hours a week. Um, they hardly ever saw their families. There was one buyer who had children and he I don't know if he ever saw them like their job was their life. And so I was like, okay, do I, is it worth it to me to make that much money? And even the owners of the company, they were, <laughs> you know, that term shit rolls downhill. Yeah. That's where I got that lesson from that job. That shit, shit rolls downhill. It was not a great experience. And I know that that's not the experience of everyone who works for companies. Um, but that was for that job. Yeah. So that really opened my eyes to, what was possible. And, and I, th- I also, that's when I had the realization, I can't remember if someone told me this or not. Someone said, it might've been my brother because he's always been an entrepreneur. Um, somebody said, you know, be careful when you're working your ass off to make someone else rich. Oh. And I realized at that job, that's what I was doing. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and then I remember, you know, just like being really interested too in, in, I was interested in how they started the company because this man started a company with like a, um, it was like a kiosk where he was selling t-shirts and then it ended up being 40 plus stores all over the West coast oh. of Hawaii and Arizona. And I was curious about that. Like, how does one do that? You know, he didn't seem magical or any more special than anyone else. So it just, I think kind of got the wheels turning at a fairly young age. I was only 23. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a couple of things I want to point out about what you're saying. One is the crying all the time is I think an important clue that is easily overlooked. Yeah. It was in the shower every morning before, before work. I used my to boyfriend to... at the time told me, he's like, just quit. I don't care that you don't have another job. I can't watch you do this. Mm, that's sweet. I know it was sweet. He actually turned out to be an asshole, but that's okay. It was sweet in that moment. <laughs> he had a sweet moment, which is... <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I used to leave for work early, so I had time to pull over to the side of the road and cry. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I remember so, too, like I would go to Starbucks every morning and get like my venti um, latte, and it was like the only thing I looked forward to during the day, and I would just like nurse it all day. <laughs> this is another... With it. Yes, planning the coffee breaks. I was like, okay, if I have... 
you know, if I go in and get some carrots now, probably at 1230, I could go make a sandwich. Because <laughs> we're the place I'm thinking of, they didn't, there were, there were no real restaurants around it. So they had a kitchen for us, which was nice. Because um, you could like make food and not have to yeah. eat restaurant food all the time, which I don't really care for. Um, but it did mean that the action of making a sandwich was kind of the high point of the whole day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, well it's 3 30 i guess i could get a coffee and then maybe it'll be five eventually maybe i should take up smoking <laughs> maybe i should take up smoking that'll get me out of the building occasionally yeah yeah so again these are important signs <laughs> that you may not be paying attention you to you may not be happy yeah that you're crying that the, your high point of your day is a coffee and um and noticing that what they have you don't necessarily want Yeah. I'm actually really surprised. Again, that might've been advice that I heard somewhere from some mentor along the way, but you know, it's like, look at the people who are successful in your line Mm -hmm. and do you want what they have? Right. Right. The other thing that I heard and teach others too, is like, be careful what you spend eight hours a day doing because you're going to get really good at it. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> right? I mean, this is, you know, again, for, you know, my people, for actors, like, that's a whole thing of like, oh, no, I just want a waitressing job. I just want something I don't care about. It's like, I, I get the logic, but you, what that's going to mean is you're going to become a really terrific server. Yeah. So bet if you, if you're going to have a, a, something that's more of a day gig, not, it's not so much a career, you've got something else you want to be your career or something else that's, that's mattering more to you. I would never say to get a job that you don't care about because if you're spending eight hours a day doing it, you're going to end up caring about it. If you're any kind of a person at all. And, and you're, yeah. And you're going to get good at it. So have something that engages your skills, have something that calls you forward, that grows you as a person or grows your network or grows your understanding of the world or something. I mean, even I had a job um, rehabbing houses for a while. Um, I know. I had so many jobs. It's ridiculous. Um, and it never got old. Like Sam's stripping in the bedroom. Sam's. <laughs> okay. Sam's oh, getting yeah. nailed in the it. living room. Yeah. It was yeah. endlessly well, amusing. It's yeah. The job. Yeah. The, I think many entrepreneurs end up having like all kinds of jobs. I, I did leave that job. I quit and then got a job, which I thought was going to be so fun. And it was fun dressing mannequins and store windows for department stores. So fun. The funnest people worked there. No money. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. money. And um, I got offered actually a promotion to be the manager of that. It's called visual merchandising. And, um, and I was like, eh. and it was like that crossroads. It's like, cause I knew again, like you just said, if I took this promotion, this would probably be it, you know, and I would get comfortable making a little bit more money, but it just, that was, there was still something again, this was before I knew I wanted to be a life coach, but it was something else. So then when that ended up ending, because again, no money, I then then I completely shifted gears and then went into the fitness industry. So that's what that whole trajectory looked like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now tell me this this growing a life coaching business because we know a lot of 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 life coaches who you know they get a couple of clients they have a little bit of money coming in, but they can't ever because of the one to one model. Like there's only so many hours in a day. There's only so many hours you can coach. There's only so much you can charge. Um, how did you turn that from a one to one thing into into the the massive Andrea own empire, of course. Yeah. That it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a couple of different ways and I can tell you the way I did it and, and why I did it the way I did it. So when I first started, 
we lived in San Diego where I was from, which I had, you know, when you're born and raised in a place, you ha- tend to have a large network, which I, uh, I started out doing workshops and kind of gathering my tribe to make it a, um, a local business to be able to do groups that way. Then we talked about moving and I realized this isn't going to work because I'm going to have to start all over somewhere else. And I knew that was going to take time. So that's when I really, and then, and this was back to when the online business thing was sort of just in its rise. And so then I, I shifted and sort of did it that way. We moved to Utah and I was all online. I did a couple of local workshops and, and didn't particularly love it. And also knew we weren't going to stay there long-term. Mm-hmm. So I put all my focus on, on online and that's the beauty of the internet, right? Because we can, and to be honest, like online businesses, I'm, I'm sure like most of your people watching know this, it's its own business and model and marketing and learning curve. Because when I used to do consulting for new coaches and they would, um, I, my first question is, which kind of business do you want? Do you want it to be local in person mostly? Because you can have the same type of business or do you want it to be online? I think it's, it's just more work. If you want to do both, you could do it, but to do both. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but um, that's sort of how I, now we've settled in North Carolina. We've been here three and a half years or so, and I'm still happy with it just being online. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. <clears throat> what did you where did you find yourself getting in your own way as an entrepreneur? Oh my God. I think the better question is where was I not? (laughs) (laughs) The first thing that came up for me when you asked me that is uh, like mentally and emotionally, I got in my own way. For me, one of my biggest obstacles and learning curves has been getting through the fear of success. Mm. Um, I think so much we talk about the fear of failure, I think, especially for, launching a business or, you know, just quitting your job or whatever. Like, what if this doesn't work out? Which is so valid. And I think at the time, that's probably what I thought as well. And to be fair, just for the sake of total transparency, when I started, I had a spouse who had a job. He, he, I was not in a position where, um, the lifestyle that we wanted, I could not work forever and he could just carry us, which <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> I missed out on being a trophy wife, but, um, this much, this much, <laughs> but, it, but I mean, I, we could have, it just would have been a different lifestyle, but for the lifestyle that we dreamed of and wanted, I needed to, to have some kind of income, whether that was working for myself or working outside the home. So the, the, is this, what if this fails was, um, was not as scary for me in the beginning because again, we were kind of like coasting with just, with just his income. But um, really it started as I started to gain a little bit of traction. I mean, like, I'm just talking like those first couple of years, you know, like my list was like at 500 and I sold my first group program and I got like five or six signups and, mm-hmm. and, and those types of, of wins. Um, the fear of success kicked in definitely, you know, like how big is this going to get? Like what, how am I going to sustain this? Especially because I did have two small children. How am I going to top this next year? Um, What if I raise my rates and nobody ends up buying? What if my family thinks that I am, because again, like first person to graduate from college and first person to ever be an entrepreneur. My my half brother did though, but it's a whole nother conversation. Um, But it was so scary. That was so scary. And still I am, you know, 10 years into doing this work and eight years into actually having the business. And 
I'm still scared. I still talk to you about it in our group. It's true. It's so how do you, how do you manage that? How do you, cause I think you're right. I think the fear of success in some ways is much worse than the fear of failure. I think the first thing obviously is, is knowing that it's going on because then you start to see it more. Yep. And then telling people that you trust and that just sort of telling on yourself and, and asking for what you need, you know, do do you need, and that's why I'm such a huge fan of peer masterminds. Do you need tough love? Do you need people to, you know, kick your ass and say X, Y, and Z? Do you need more of a soft place to land where you want, co do you need coaching on it? I think this is where life coaching can be incredible. Just asking the deeper questions about like what's really going on. So you can see sometimes the ridiculousness of your own thinking and bust past it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we were, I think it was first how to stop feeling like shit. We were talking of and, and kind of digging into, to some stuff and came up with that phrase of like, let it be as big as it wants to be. Yeah. Let it be as big as it needs to be. Like you don't necessarily get to be in charge of how successful you are. That's it's, it can be terrifying for some people. And you know, and it's all these like small decisions that we make that keep us small, you know, like, oh, I don't want to go on a book tour and we'll have all these noble excuses, right? Like, oh, I don't want to leave my family. Oh, it's too expensive. Those don't work anymore. Nobody does that. Yeah, nobody shows up and it's, and I, I have them all. Like I can write a whole book on excuses, <laughs> how to play small. Um, I, you know, I don't want to do Facebook lives because of, you know, blah, blah, blah. All of these like small choices that we make that add up to keeping us hiding really my friend Elizabeth D'Alto says hiding in plain sight when it comes to this topic and it's true like you're still out there online and you still have your social media presence and things like that but but like what are the things that you're doing that are actually making you hide yeah yeah and what are the things you're doing that are actually making you money right right the follow-ups uh, with people yep 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 mm -hmm. and I have to say just circling back for a second I think you might actually have been in the perfect position of like having a spouse that has enough income that it's, you don't have this massive financial pressure. Right. Um, but also the trophy wife thing, I have to say, I've seen it and I bet you have too, where um, women who are, who, who don't have to work, whose, okay. whose spouses support them um, and the family entirely. I, I've seen them really stall out in starting their own business. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so they spend a lot of time like, well, I'm just going to do the logo again. I'm not really sure what I'm offering. I think I'm going to change my niche market. I think I'm going to redesign the website again. You know, it's, and it just turns into this very expensive hobby, uh -huh. um, which is fine. I'm, I, I don't, sure. Of all the hobbies to have, I think that's a fun one. Yeah. Um, but I think it's partly because there's, um, there's a bargain in the relationship that says like, you keep your focus, I'll make all the money if you keep your focus on me or mm -hmm. uh, I'll make all the money if you're not, and you don't be more successful than me like, or something, right. you know, all marriages have bargains. <laughs> that has to be addressed. Yeah. I think that, oh yeah, we have a whole conversation about communication and relationships and, and my husband and I have gone through our, our stuff with this. Like he has been resentful of how much I'm working and, um, you know, when I travel and it's, it's difficult, it puts pressure on our family. And I had, so a couple of years ago, I surpassed him with my income and I made that such a big deal. Like internally, I was like making up all kinds of stories about like, is that emasculating him? Like, how is he feeling about it? And, and, um, because we had never, I think he, he probably, he had to have known, <clears throat> excuse me, but it was right after tax season. We were having a conversation, um, a conference call with our, with our financial advisor. And he was, 
he was just, you know, the, the basic questions, Jason, how much did you make last year? Andrea, how much did you make last year? So he and I both said it out loud, like, right. At, and I was like, Ugh. So I asked my husband later, I asked him like, how do you feel about that? And he's like, I think it's great. And he was genuine. And I'm over here making up all these stories about it. So I, I think it's, it's one of those hard conversations. I think for many couples, for some, it's, it's not, but if, if that agreement that you just said, like that, the unsaid agreement needs to be addressed in an honest and open conversation. I think it also comes up for people in their families. Like the minute you out earn your parents. Oh yeah. Or out earn your siblings. Like there's, there's some real, I know a lot of people who've had to really um, do a lot of inner work to get okay with their up level. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's a very, very real thing. And in, in the wellness world, some people call it tribal shame, where sometimes it's not even, some people like in the family will make passive aggressive comments about it. Like, Ooh, look at you college girl, or, you know, own your own business and things like that. And then some families like mine are, you know, my family is so proud of me. They buy my books and read them. They tell their friends about what? it. They're excited. <laughs> I know they're excited for me and proud of me, but I make up stories that they're uncomfortable. This is all my shit. It's all my shit. I'm like, I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable because of my success. <laughs> right. On the other hand, I went to a family reunion a couple of years ago and everybody's like, Hey, Hey. And I'm like, does anybody want to say anything to me about like, what you do. You Good mean? job on the book, Sam. Or like, <laughs> I bought it. I read it. I noticed. Oh, your mom said you wrote a book. Like any, like any acknowledgement at all? No, not really. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, it can, it, you never know what you're going to get with your family, but that needs to be worked through. And it was a great invitation. Like all of a sudden I'm like, it was like right up against it. I'm like, okay, wait, how much do I need my family's approval on this? How much because do I need that, their interest on this? And how it's much interest have I expressed that. in their stuff? Like, how much can I say to my cousin you. Timmy, "Oh, you, I, you know, I saw you sold a big building in New York." Like, no, I don't talk to him about his real estate. Why would he talk to me about my book? Yeah, because we're not business partners. <laughs> if, if you don't address that, like, with yourself, with your therapist or coach or best friend or whomever, I have seen that in my own experience and other people. That will a lot of times unconsciously help you create choices that are not good for your business. Again, like the playing small, the, oh, I'm not going to uh, like, you know, making a money goal for the year. Oh no, that's not possible. And like lowering it because like the, it's that internal feeling of not belonging. Yeah. I have a friend who's a very successful entrepreneur and she's teaching her girls to be entrepreneurial in the way they approach the world. And so one of her daughters really wanted this uh, stuffed animal that was $70 mm -hmm. and she worked and saved up for it. And I think her parents maybe had matching funds or something, but anyway, yeah. they, she, she ended, she worked for and got this, this toy that she really wanted. They're visiting her grandmother in Wisconsin and the grandmother like goes off Oh no, $70 for a toy. La 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 la. And this, you know, like just made the poor girl feel awful about it and like started like untangle all this oh yeah just then you're on just on damage control right yeah right exactly like, that's grandma sometimes says things exactly. here's her issues here's her issues <laughs> yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. good so what are some of the other things you see um people do to keep themselves stuck or keep themselves in mm -hmm. a in a tiny box instead of maybe a slightly larger box? I think <clears throat> a couple of things. 
I can talk about either one. I think it's who you surround yourself with. And I'm not saying that you have to like get rid of all the people who don't make multiple six figures. <laughs> like, no, I, I don't think that. Uh, I think that but to be intentional and conscious of maybe who your uh, entrepreneurial peers are, mm -hmm. that's important. And then also your mindset. I, this has been hugely helpful. I mean, just about money alone, working on my money story, but it's just, again, it's that mindset of similar to what we've just been talking about, but more specifically about what's possible. And, uh, and just, I mean, the money thing, I remember thinking in the beginning, I remember thinking, um, that six figure, like a hundred thousand dollars was not, that was just like, no. <laughs> and I made up all kinds of reasons why I don't want to work that hard because I equated, you know, like working way hard to making that much money. Um, I, well, I have two small children. I can't work even 30 hours a week. So it just all these reasons why. And then I got there without an exorbitant amount of effort um, you know, that I had made up. And then it jumped to, okay, well, multiple six figures. That's for Sam. That's for so-and-so. <laughs> Those people over, y'all over there. And yeah. yay, like I give you a fist pump, but me over here, I'm okay with this. So it's, again, it's like all these steps to work through. Mm. That's been huge for me. And then you'll see like these leaps and it's scary and fun <laughs> and all the feelings. All the feelings. Mm -hmm. And this is something um, that, that a, a coach said to me, and I had never really thought about it, but when you take a job at a salary, even a job with upward, you know, you're saying you could get promoted, you could move up, you know, right. you are capping your income. Right. You are saying, I, I agree to not make more than this. And I agree to never make more than, than this. And by that decision, you are then deciding what vacations you're going to take, yep. where your kids are going to go to school, what your legacy is. I mean, it's, and the fact that that gets described as safe, like, well, that's the safe thing. It's like, it, it's, it's safe, but it's also kind of a prison. Like, and it's subjective. one, yeah. <laughs> very subjective. And I mean, I, I get, I understand the choice. I don't, I, I, I get it. But I think it's important to, to realize that you're making a decision that's larger than just, well, it's $77,000 a year. Like, that's great money. Mm -hmm. It is. and. Yeah. Is that really all, is that all? Because it is the exciting thing about entrepreneurship is that you can make as much money as you want to make whenever you want to make it. Mm -hmm. And that is true financial freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And then the downside is, you know, cause I know people who have done that and lost everything sure. and they have recovered. I mean, it just, it, it's one of those things where I think that you, ha I think it's imperative to know know what your choices are. Like you can stay at that job and make $77,000. And then, like you said, you're, you're deciding pretty much everything from there on out, or you can choose this path, which is riskier. But then again, like I just said, like you have to do, well, risk and risk and safety are very subjective. You need to decide and, you know, decide with your family. If you have a partner, if you have whatever, what's best for you. Mm -hmm. Big decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not scare anybody. Was there anything, was there anything um, sort of practical or imitatable about what you did around working on your money story? That, that Yeah, for sure. I think the very first thing that I did, the very first book I read was, um, I might get this wrong, but Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by um, T. Harv Eker. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a little cheesy at times. Like some of the exercises, like pat your head and yell this and 
Um, but it was, it was hugely helpful in just the very, one of the very first exercises that he has you do is to name your money story. So what that means is uh, there's uh, several money books that if you pick one up, they'll probably have you start with this. It really is the imperative first step. What is your earliest memory of money? What did your parents think about money? How did they talk about money? How did they talk about people who were wealthy? All of those things, um, did they argue about money? Did they say things like we can't afford it or money doesn't grow on trees? Like all of these things, get that all out. I had huge money breakthroughs just by working through that. Mm. Um, for me, it was, my parents didn't really have a, mine's a little bit different. My parents didn't really talk about money. It was always just there, which led to my sense of entitlement and credit card spending when I was in my twenties. Cause again, nobody taught me about accrued interest or anything like that. They didn't use credit cards. Me, to me, it was just like, look at this plastic thing. It's like free money. Um, which I had to, we had to pay off $60,000 worth of debt, which we did. And, um, then what ended up happening is my, my dad left his union job and became a real estate um, agent this was late 80s when it was very lucrative. And then um, we moved into a, a bigger house. That was right around the time that my parents' marriage started to fall apart. Right when I graduated from high school, my parents divorced. So I had an unconscious belief that wealth or an increase in family money meant disintegration of a family. Ooh. I cried like a baby when this story came out. I had never equated the two. So I had to work on just the, the core belief of it is safe for me to be wealthy. My family is going to be safe if we have more money than we actually need. And that was huge. Like I get emotional even just thinking about it. And I'll tell you what, I made $40,000 more that year by really just, just that knowledge. And I know we talked a little bit like I'm not very woo-woo, but that to me was like, that was very woo-woo and magic. And then, so just the money story in general, and then just think, you know, really pay attention to how you, how you think and talk about money. What stories do you make up about it? I love that. I love that. And, and, and this, um, it's just like you say in the book, like if you've got something, if you've got a room that's a mess, like first step one, turn on the light. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> turn on the light so you can see how big of a mess it is. Like don't it just. To take place for you in order for you to shift things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right that just that, acknowledgement of like, oh, there is a money story and I have one and it is affecting, you know, these beliefs that I have never really articulated are affecting my actions in this way and just cleaning that up. Like you said, that's, that was a $40,000 cleanup right there. That's a pretty good cleanup. It's going to affect how much you charge. It's going to affect if you're following up with people to try to get the sale. It's going to affect how you're having sales conversations. It's going to even just how you feel about money, like little things like, um, I was at a, I was at a car rental place and I, I had to pay a lot more money for a car rental than I had originally anticipated. And I was pissed off about it. I had the money at the time. It was not, it was, wasn't going to make me broke, but I was just irritated with it. And I was telling a friend about it and she goes, okay. We, she's like, my, me and my husband have been working on that. So we have a mantra. Every time something like that happens, we say, oh, well, it's a good thing I'm rich. <laughs> hilarious and helpful. Because it's like, I love humor and in, in things like this, which I, would have been so funny if I said that to the agent, like at the car rental place, <laughs> which I have done one other time, which made my husband very uncomfortable. Um, but, and you can even do it at Chipotle, you know, like when they're like, guacamole is extra. And you're like, it's totally fine. I'm rich. <laughs> Lucky thing. I'm rich. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to totally it's start shifting, doing that. It's shifting that mindset of yeah. scarcity. Like, oh shit, how am I going to? 
pay for this car rental, this $250 blah, and getting all mad and angry about it to like, oh, well, you know, if there's, if there's really nothing you can do about it, getting angry doesn't save you money. Yeah, no, the proper response to the inevitable is relaxation. <laughs> if you can't control it, you might as well relax because you can't control it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and I really noticed this. I actually went on a kind of a rant about it the other day about, um, you know, poor money. You know, money's know. just sitting there <laughs> completely neutral. We made it up as humans. We made it up. It's like, you invented me. You know, it's just trying to be helpful and we put everything onto it. Well, I can't stupid. You know, I hate money. I hate sales. I hate thinking about the money. I hate looking at the numbers. Money's a little like, Wow. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> man. You know, like, oh, I can't do that because of the money. Oh, I can't afford that. Oh, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. And, and it's like, is it really the money that's making you not do that? Because I'm guessing it's actually something else. Yeah. And, and again, turn on the light. Like, what are you laying off onto money that is actually a story that has to do with something else entirely? One of the other things I did, another exercise for people listening, is to write a letter to money. And mm -hmm. mine was five pages long. And so if you look at money as if it were another human being, like that you have a relationship with money, like say money is a friend or a romantic partner, what do you want to say to money? How do you feel about how it's been coming in and out of your life? Um, what does your relationship look like? What are you afraid of? What do you want more of with the relationship? I did not realize it was going to be five pages long. <laughs> You had a lot to say? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and do you need to apologize? Like, oh, sorry, totally. Money. I apologized for how mm -hmm. I had been treating it. It was like I would spend it, I would use it and abuse it and then get mad. <laughs> <laughs> because your actions <laughs> had consequences. Right, because it was, it was actually my fault. Like nobody, if that were an actual person, they'd be like, <laughs> I'm not sticking around. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> no wonder. Another thing I did when I was very early on in my money story, like very early working that out, I just started to put money everywhere. I just put dollar bills like in every drawer, my, the change thing in the car, every pocket. Like, so it just felt like everywhere I turned, there was more money. I've done that. Mm -hmm. So I just I had do, that I sensation. dollar bills, not singles. Watch out now. <laughs> well, and I've graduated to 20s, and I can't tell you how many times having a spare 20 tucked somewhere has, like, saved my bananas, like, when you out of the cash. car park yeah. or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, yay, thanks, $20. Uh, thanks, money. I love you. Love uh -huh. you very much. That's great. I love it. Mm -hmm. Good. Anything that particularly surprised you about entrepreneurship? Anything that um, you just would never have anticipated but is delightful? I think um, several things. One of them is a couple things. So I have children and it's really amazing to show them that this is possible. My kids think I am so famous, especially my son, my son more so. My daughter is a little bit less impressed, but she's eight. <laughs> but my 10 year old son just think it's so awesome that I have a podcast. And when I, I, you know, I went on a book tour and the Barnes and Noble would put posters up with my picture on it. And my son, I have a picture of him standing there next to it. He just thinks it's, it's awesome. So it's, it's nice to show them again, like that really anything is possible. You can go and have a job for a company like their father does. And we have great health insurance and 401k and all of those things. Um, or you can do it how I do it. And I think too, like, especially as a woman who you know, we don't necessarily, I think we have an uphill battle when it comes to 
believing in ourselves and not feeling fundamentally insecure from a very young age, this has made me realize how powerful I actually am and that I can really do anything. Like, look at what I have created. I've created jobs for people and, um, I'm not gonna apologize for saying this, but like, I feel unstoppable. Like a lot of times, like, look what I, look what I did. Look what I made. Yeah. 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 And here's, this is another sort of, a uh, very plausible sounding reason or excuse I hear is that like, well, it wouldn't be responsible, you know, for me to quit my job and just go off and do entrepreneurship. Like that wouldn't be responsible to, to my kids, or my family. It's like, but what do you really want to teach your children? Right. Do you want to teach them? No, no. Sacrifice your dreams <laughs> and stay small. Yeah. I had a similar situation when um, I really wanted to play roller derby and I had all the excuses. I mean, cause it's derby. Like it's like the risk of getting hurt is pretty great. Oh, it's and, like a hundred percent. Oh yeah. It's like, it's a given. It's a total yeah. given. Yeah. I did get hurt. Um, but I, I remember thinking to myself, uh, I could, I imagined myself, you know, 10, 20 years later and, and I, and we saw it like with my kids or something and, and I say out loud, Oh, I always wanted to do that. And then they am asking me like, well, why didn't you? And what am I going to say? Because <laughs> I was scared. Um, and that would have been my main reason because I was afraid. And I could not, and I did go and, and play and I did get hurt. But that's the same with this. You know, it's like, oh, I always wanted to own my own business. That's so neat that people do that. You know, and well, I didn't, you know. <laughs> and and, I, and I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I do not advocate people, please don't quit your job and just, you know, cold turkey and and try to start a business. I think side hustle is, is the way to go, but it's so, so, so possible, especially now. So many resources. Yeah. I mean, I think this might be why God made the intertubes. Like yeah. you, <laughs> for entrepreneurship, for entrepreneurship, like whatever it is you're into, whatever it is you're up, you know, you can find the other people who are looking for it. And you know how they know? Cause they're typing the words into Google. Right. Where do, how do I sign up for roller derby? Where's the Ukrainian clog dancing in my community? How do I, you know, get, not feel like shit all the time? Like, and then the answers come up. And if you are there as one of the answers, you know, mm -hmm. that's how businesses mm -hmm. get built. That's not the only yeah. way, but it's, you know, you can know that people are looking for you. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Fantastic. This is so great. Do you have any other like words of wisdom or advice, anything you wish someone had told you or that you would tell someone who's sort of sitting there wringing their hands? So many, but I think that I will go with one that I think is a timeless piece of advice of, of be careful who you share your dream with. I think that, um, there's going to be a lot of people who are, because they care about you are going to say it's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. And their intentions are good. I, I mean, I hope. <laughs> I'm assuming their intentions are good because they don't want to see you fail. They don't want to see you suffer. And they hear the horror stories of, and the statistics about businesses failing and everything. And um, that's, don't let, don't just find, you'll find out quickly who they are and you can put them in categories. And the people who truly believe in you, the people who are your peers, those are the people to, to really turn to. And then again, like we then really find your, your peers who are doing similar things as you and, and pay attention to that because like there's, there might be some people who kind of like the ship goes down and then they're like living from a place of scarcity <laughs> and fear. And you either, it's your job to either reel them in or, you know, or exit stage left. So just pay attention to all of that because that can have a huge influence on you. It's so true. And, 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 and sometimes I, it's amazing that the homing system 
I, I've done this myself where I managed to say something to the exact wrong person and they managed to make some, sometimes a very offhand remark that stops me dead in my tracks. And you're like, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> I just, I just watched my future go up in smoke. <laughs> Every bit of confidence I ever had is now gone. Wow. Okay. <laughs> So for all of you out there, this is a great action step. Write down right now, who is somebody with whom you will not discuss this, mm -hmm. right? If they bring it up, you will change the subject to talk about them. Like just, you know, or say that I so appreciate your interest and I'm really not talking about it right now. Like maybe you'll talk about it with them later, but just not right now because some people have a real gift for peeing on your dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, and I think country's right. It's, it's only because they, they care about you. They want to keep you safe there, you know. And a lot of times it's about their own fears because they would be too, maybe they have wanted, always wanted to be an entrepreneur and they're too afraid to do it. So they like to shit on you <laughs> to make them feel better. It's like, right. come into my, come into my, my circle. <laughs> right, exactly. So who's someone that you're not going to talk about it with and who's somebody that you will talk about it with? Like who are the people that you know will really cheerlead for you and be there for you and, 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 um, and delight in your success. Yeah. 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 Like you, I delight in your success. Yeah. Well, thank you. Likewise. <laughs> yeah. This has been so fun. I'm so glad you were here. Thank you so much for doing this. All right. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need to ask you. I'm sure, I'm sure I'll think of it as soon as we turn off the recording, but thank you so much for being here. I love you. Thank you everybody. If you've enjoyed this, but your time is limited and you'd like access to the rest of them, please hop over to therealsambennett.com forward slash freedom. That's therealsambennett.com forward slash freedom. And there you can opt in, get access to all these recordings and a bunch of fun freebies. We'd love to see you there. In the meantime, remember, the world needs your good work. Thanks, everybody.